Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Welcome back to the third hour of the Morning Tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio. Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker, and you here on this beautiful and perfect Funk Tuesday as we broadcast live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios here in Las Vegas. Send us a text on the Salmon Ash text line, 69187. And you can also tweet at us at r 920 am We will continue to talk about uh, what Derek Carr could reveal in this year because you, when you hear the comparisons from Devontae Adams about he and Carr and Rodgers, that maybe Carr could at least match the production of Rodgers if there's a breakout season. We'll get into all that in this hour here on Raider Nation Radio. And joining us now is our good friend Marcus Johnson with SBNation.com and SilverAndBlackPride.com. Also, his great show, Tape Don't Lie, on YouTube and everywhere you get podcasts. Marcus, thanks for being with us today, and good morning to you. You know what? Uh, stay on that with Derek Carr. You know, um, it, can he at least match the production of Rodgers with, you know what, with the uh, intrinsic force of getting a new offensive line, number one, but also when you see the weapons around him now and with a uh, dynamic play caller like Josh McDaniels, could you see some pile on the stats for D.C., especially on a year coming off of where he threw for 4,800 yards? Yeah, I, I could definitely see, I mean, the touchdowns going up just from the improvement of bringing in Devontae Adams for the red zone. I mean, I talk about this a lot. He's one of the best red zone wide receivers, you know, in the league since he came in. Fifty-seven touchdowns. I think that's going to lift Derek Carr's touchdowns right away. I mean, even whatever the touchdown total he had, you want to add ten to that because he's going to have Devontae Adams having ten or twelve, and we already know that. And then Renfro, he's going to have his uh, amount of touchdowns, and you know, Dan Waller, you know, he, he hasn't had the touchdowns. Usually, he's probably going to have more of the yards and be the more twenty to twenty guy. But I feel like Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams getting a lot of touchdowns with Derek Carr. And, you know, just the Raiders scoring more points altogether. I, you know, that's what I expect. I expect them to be more explosive. You know, even Josh Jacobs scoring some more touchdowns. And, you know, if, if Josh Jacobs has a big year scoring touchdowns, maybe Derek Carr doesn't throw as many. But, you know, I expect them to score more points altogether and be more effective down in that area. So um, I, I really feel like that that's going to be the explosion for Derek Carr, too. But I think he's gonna, I, he might even throw more yards than he did last year. So um, that's going to be the exciting part. Uh, Marcus, uh, forget uh, Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to throw a different name at you. Uh, and that's a, a name by Matthew Stafford of the Los Angeles Rams quarterback. I'm going to throw some numbers at you. In 2020 with the Detroit Lions, he threw 26 touchdown passes. In 2021, it jumped to 41, which was a tied a career high. He hadn't thrown 41 touchdown passes in 10 years. Uh, his yards went up from 255 to 287. His quarterback percentage went up from 96.3 to 102.9, which was the second best of his career. If you look at Matthew Stafford's numbers throughout his career and compare them line by line to Derek Carr, you will find an uncanny resemblance. We saw what happened when Matthew Stafford went from a bad team to a team with talent. Derek Carr, can we not make the argument that a similar jump can happen for him that happened for Matthew Stafford simply by being around or alongside better players? Yeah, I, I expect it. I expect the jump. Um, I mean, even if you look 
separate. No, I, I agree with you, Vinny, on that. I think Derek Carr and Matthew Stafford have very identical careers, even from the, the losing aspect. You know, people get on them about losing. You know, is it all on them? And, you know, they have similar careers from that aspect when being with franchises that have just are, um, I would say the Raiders were losers before that, but just recently, but the Lions have lost for forever. So that's that definitely a great example of that, their careers. I will say this, though, with Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr has been a very consistent quarterback the past since 2019. So even whatever analytical, whatever thing, he's probably top 10 in some area or he's around top 10 or whatever. And he's had a different number one wide receiver every year, right? And now we got Devontae Adams. So I would expect that just to explode just from that expectation. I mean, if he can be a top 10 PSF with Tyrell Williams, I mean, what do you expect with Devontae Adams, you know? So I, that's, that's kind of how I see it. I my, my expectations for him are very high, and I expect him to meet him. As was Matthew Stafford, always right around a top 10 quarterback, Heidi. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter who he's throwing to, right? <laughs> that's what that's what I'm saying. Like he was always. You, you talk about consistency. So was Matthew Stafford. It's just that they were in bad situations. That's kind of my point. Now I think Derek Carr, much like Matthew Stafford, is in a really good situation. Yeah, he's oh, got to prove it. Uh, I, I think with the the tools that he has, and you know, we'll see. But uh, you know, I know you were doing some stuff here on uh, Mac Collins. So what did you learn, Marcus, from your deep dive into Mac Collins? I think Matt Collins has some, um, has some upside as a wide receiver from, you know, the height and his ability to, you know, win, win one-on-one situations when, you know, the ball's up in the air, um, you know, from a separation standpoint, from separating from, like, corners and stuff like that, I think it could be a little bit of an issue from him. But I, I think he can win off the line, and I think he can help in the red zone, too. You know, I um, some of the comments, when people ask me questions, I can kind of compare him to Andre Holmes, who's somebody that Raiders fans would recognize kind of the same skill set type of thing where, you know, you wouldn't expect him to be out there and get you a thousand yards himself, but he could definitely help out in the red zone and, and add some more touchdowns. And, you know, Derek Carr had a good connection with Andre Holmes, and I could see that from Matt Collins. You know, Matt Collins, like you said, he, he brings up like a, a certain, like, body type that uh, it, it seems as though that when they get Demarcus Robinson, who's like 6'1", you know, uh, two two ten, Matt Collins, 6'4", 220, uh, and, and then you got Devontae's uh, stats as well. How did the the, Ra- the Raiders kind of change their body type for wide receivers? Because they seem to have gotten taller and stronger almost overnight in this offseason. Uh, that's something McDaniels really loves. I mean, even if you look back at some of his draft picks, I mean, Demarius Thomas kind of fits that size. He's a big dude like that. Eric Decker, they're, they're bigger bigger wide receivers. Really, you know, yeah. kind of more the Bill Eric Belichick. Decker. Haven't thought about him. Yeah, I haven't thought about Eric Decker's minute. name, but that, <laughs> go, that is go, the go, body go. type, yeah, right? I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, uh, but just the, the bigger wide receivers, I mean, that's always a thing. Even, like, if you think about the Keel Harry, he's a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something they always look for. That's why I really thought they were going to look at, like, Traylon Burks or something like that if they're going to stay in the first round. Okay. I thought I was going to look at some kind of big wide receiver like that, and even, like, the Alex Pierce's and other wide receivers I was looking at. The reason for that is because they, they love those big guys, um, especially they want one outside. That's why I think Matt Collins might have that edge with some of these, with some of these other receivers cause just because of the size. They like that. Um, but, um, you know, Demarcus Robinson has a little size to him too. But, you know, that's why Matt Collins, I was very interested in him, especially when I heard he was getting some first-team reps. Yeah, and um, when we talk about what, we saw uh, these last couple of months with the Raiders, uh, specifically minicamp and, and, and OTAs. Uh, Marcus, 
I don't think we got clarity yet at right tackle. Uh, certainly, you know, uh, there, no solidified starter. Uh, a lot of trade-off between Brandon Parker uh, and, and Alex Leatherwood. Um, what's your level of concern at right tackle right now? My, I mean, my level of concern at right tackle is I feel like, I mean, it's going to be an average spot no matter what. I mean, I don't know how good Leatherwood's going to take that huge leap. I mean, if he become a superstar year one, even if he does play out there, I doubt it. I mean, he's probably going to have some still have some some trouble out there. He's still in adjustment. Um, I mean, he still has to give get rid of some technique issues he has. And then we know what Brandon Parker is. I mean, Brandon Parker is a below average right tackle. I mean, it's been really. I mean, he's played five years. He's not like Leatherwood. He's coming off a rookie season. Um, we know what Brandon Parker is. So if Brandon Parker's out there. We know we're, we're getting below average right tackle play. But that's where you want to put somebody like Leatherwood out there. And see what you can get first. I think he's got to get a shot first. He's got to try to. You got to try to see if he can play right tackle. We know he could play pretty good at guard, but he. We, everybody wanted him to play right tackle. Nobody thought he was going to move him to guard. Really, I mean, there was some chirps about that uh, coming out of college a little bit, but most people they saw the length. They thought he was going to play right tackle or even play left tackle. So if he has to get that shot there and then it doesn't work out, maybe you can move him, but you want him to win that spot. So he's going to get every single shot to do that. But Brandon Parker is more of the emergency just in case it doesn't work out, in my opinion. With uh, Cleve Farrell, you know, on the other side of the ball, he's been getting his looks uh, on the inside of the line. I wanted to get your take just on where you think he can really fit in on this team this year. Will there be a place for him on this defense once it comes down to narrowing the roster to 53 and looking at who's going to be running the inside of this D-line? Yeah, I mean, for with him, in my opinion, I really feel like he should have took the time and maybe put on some weight. I mean, mm-hmm. especially free technique just being so wide open, you know. Um, he has a chance to, to really take that spot if he really, really wanted to. And he's really good at running stunts. I mean, it's something probably the best thing he one of the best things he does is he's very disciplined with running stunts and, and mixing up fronts. And that's something that Patrick Graham's really going to like. So I think that's where he's going to come in. He's going to be able to when they want to mix up fronts, and he can move around and they can move Max Crosby around with him. He's very disciplined and he'll he'll run the stunt exactly how it's supposed to yeah. be to open up Max Crosby and things like that. He's very fundamental that way. So I think him getting some looks inside is really good for him, but I really wish he would have put on some weight and kind of just took that position because I feel like that maybe if he did that, you know, put on like 13 pounds, got to about 285, mm-hmm. and, and kind of solidified himself with that position, I think it was a missed opportunity for him. But, you know, um, I mean, that's, that's what he wants to do. Um, you know, I really can't tell the players what they want to do. So, But um, him getting that look inside is still a, something that could work out for him and get him on the field, in my opinion. It's Marcus Johnson with from uh, SilverAndBlackPride.com, of course, covering the Raiders with SB Nation and Tape Don't Lie on YouTube and everywhere you get podcasts. So, Marcus, when you think about the defensive line and you look at some of the bodies there, well, one of them stands out. It's like Vernon Butler, you know, a gigantic defensive tackle, uh, 6'4", 3'30". Uh, why hasn't it worked out for Vernon Butler at places like Buffalo and Carolina? Uh, and why here? And wh- how, how do you think he can be successful? Because you were still talking about a guy who's still very young at 28 that could still make a, you know, a, a big uh, big impact in the prime of his career. Well, it's more about rushing the pass with Vernon Butler. Um, I mean, that's probably been his biggest issue that you know he never developed as a pass rusher. But okay. now the issue is he's not playing the run as well as, as he used to. So... I mean, if you can't rush the passer and then you get 330 pounds and you can't play the run like he used to, that becomes an issue, and then that's when you're, you know, you become a journeyman. So, I mean, that's why it's not working on Buffalo. 
Uh, you know, Buffalo, they got Ed Oliver and those guys developing, so they, they're going you know, to move on from Vernon Butler. And Vernon Butler has to come over here and try to win a job. But, you know, it's, here it's easier for him to, to find a job because, like I said, the, the tackle is not it's probably the, the, the uh, weakest position with depth right now for the Raiders, in my opinion. So he has a shot to make this team and make an impact. But, I mean, he, he definitely has to develop. You know, he has to show he can, he can make an impact and show that he can be a player. And you're sure he can probably beat out a player like, I mean, Kendall Vickers is still out there. He's still hanging around on the team. He's going to beat out Kendall Vickers. I mean, that's the type of thing that Vernon Butler has to worry about. He has to keep rising and, and try to get on these coaches' good side so he can make the team. Yeah, uh, he was somebody that, uh, that that played well against the run uh, earlier in his career. It's kind of fallen off uh, the last couple of years. You wonder if injuries uh, have played a factor um, where he is physically. Uh, but he definitely profiles um, as, as as somebody that can that can you know play some snaps and be in a rotation. But he has to improve that run uh, defense, like you said, Marcus, because that's his bread and butter. And if he's not doing that, then he's not giving you much uh, at all. Uh, my last question for you is: when you when you take a step back from Vernon Butler to those linebackers, um, do the Raiders need a star to emerge uh, at that linebacker position, or can can they get by uh, with league average steady play at that spot? See, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a big Diablo guy. I really feel like Diablo has a shot to take a, a big step just because my thing with Diablo is that he never played linebacker before he was solid. Yeah. So, that, I mean, so that tells me something about him, that he has there's something about him, like some kind of work ethic, some type of study habit, some type of things that he really takes football seriously, where if you, you know, if you never played a position before, you go into the NFL professional football and you play it solid, like where, where you know, the defense kind of improves defensively against the run when he came in yep. and you know, he never played <laughs> linebacker so it, it, it that was super interesting with him so I really feel like that with like Patrick Graham and some of these linebacker coaches and Tony Pierce these type of guys I really feel like they could take him to the next level and he might emerge as somebody that's really good and of course Dingo Perryman he's you know he's always going to be a solid linebacker but I, I feel like Diablo has the shot if they can develop him and I feel like he has the mindset to become that and um, he has the athleticism, obviously. So he, I think he's, a, he's an exciting player. I really hope that he takes the next step. When overall you're looking at this squad, you talked there about Divine Diablo. Like, who are you looking at from the 2021 draft class to kind of really step up and try to um, – I guess really carve out a role for themselves on this team because there's a lot of guys that we're looking at now to see that next phase of from Malcolm Coons to Divine Diablo to Trayvon Merrick. Who who's going to take the biggest step in this offense or defense? I mean, I think the, the guys who take the biggest step is Morag. Um, I think he's going to have a huge year. I think we're going to find out that he's really really special. That's that's kind of um, the player that I really feel like is going to kind of just take off and be a Pro Bowler and maybe a couple of years from now, you know, hit that all-pro type of position. I really feel like his rookie year was, was beyond solid. I thought he was above-average free safety as a rookie. And, you know, that, that tells you, I mean, it kind of when you look at rookies, especially at certain positions, um, and the way they play, it, it kind of tells you how they're going to be going forward. I mean, linemen's a little different. They kind of struggle it's really year one. Cornerbacks, they always struggle year one a lot. But like a safety, kind of that, that type of position, he comes in there and he's, you know, getting high grades in PFF, and we, we don't really say anything bad about him because he's playing free safety. <laughs> I think he's going to be awesome. And he had like four dropped interceptions. He didn't leave interceptions. So if that turns into five interceptions, that turns into seven, you know, I think that's more like the big guy that I feel like that 
I think he can be a superstar. And the smile on his face when he talked about getting that one that he had on the on the season when he was at the podium this uh, past week, uh, it, was, it was something. But, you know, Marcus, I just wanted to kind of follow up on that and say, yeah. when you look at the um, Patrick Graham system and you see the variety of uses that he has for safeties and how he kind of disguises looks with cornerbacks and brings them up, you know, in, in blitz situations when they look like they're going back in zone, you know, what you think about kind of the need for a player that can really read into those systems and execute it well. Is there someone on the secondary right now that you feel like can be that person for the Raiders as well? I, I think there's. I think Nate Hobbs um, is a really, really smart player. I think that's why he played so well with Gus uh, Bradley, and he got that chance to play as a fifth round pick. And I think he's a player that can just his intelligence, playing with Lovey Smith in college, understanding NFL defenses, understanding things like that. I think that's going to make him a very versatile player, especially with his size. I think they're going to try to use him like Julian Love. Um, they used him in the Giants. He kind of has the same size, but not the same athleticism because Nate Hobbs is an athletic freak, which I think a lot of people forget about. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that he, they're going to be able to use him in different ways. I think Trayvon Murray is going to be used in different ways, too. I mean, Trayvon Murray can play in the slot. I mean, he could play, yeah. he could play uh, uh, a Matthew role, right? And, and they, they might, you know, with the C. Spagnolo type of secondary that Patrick Graham likes to imply that he came, he came from, from, you know, working with the Giants. I think um, you might see those guys switch those roles, and he's going to get really creative with those two safeties. Uh, not, not, not saying Hobbs is going to play safety. I mean, I know he's going to play a lot more slot corner, but they're going to move them around, and it's going to be super interesting, especially certain quarterback matchups, what they do. Marcus, thanks again for your time today. Great spot. What's cooking over at uh, Tape Don't Lie for this weekend? Well, I got um, Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. I'm, I'm about to edit and post that today. So uh, I got the whole matchup, single target. So I'm doing that today. And uh, we're going to get some show. We're having some technical difficulties with uh, BD and Internet. So hopefully we got that fixed. And then we'll get some shows <laughs> cool. this week and talk about OTAs and what's happening around there. So uh, definitely expect a lot of content from us. Hey, man, I love the stuff, man. Thanks again, Marcus, for love your it. time. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, guys. Marcus. Yeah. At the Mark John NFL on Twitter. Interesting, uh, many different thoughts there. Uh, but maybe taking on that that question that you asked, who takes the biggest step from you know their first year with the Raiders? And you brought up Malcolm Kuntz's name, and I wondered if if somewhere in the last week did Malcolm Kuntz kind of push Cleef Farrell to the inside? Uh, I don't think it necessarily w- w- was was uh, related to that. I think that they're just trying to figure out ways that Cleef Farrell can help them. Oh, okay. And so I don't think that it was one had to do with the other. Uh, I do think that uh, it seems like there's a plan um, for 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 Malcolm Kuntz, like we've talked about. He has a fairly elite pass rush skill, and uh, trying to figure out ways to put him in position uh, to really tap into that, I think, uh, is going to be exciting for the Raiders staff. But real quick, too, when he was talking about the playmakers, um, and, and and you know Heidi asked that question about the secondary and yeah. guys like Trevon Morg and and Nate Hobbs. You know what what when I look at these guys as opposed to maybe when I first started covering uh, the Raiders, there were guys. There are guys now that they're not just guys that you need to man a position. They're yeah. guys that you can utilize in ways to make them playmakers as well. Trayvon Morg has a whole 
assortment of skills that you can tap into. Nate Hobbs, as you mentioned, people forget Nate Hobbs is a hell of an athlete, man. That jumped out at us when we first saw him last year Mm -hmm. uh, in OTAs. Like, who the heck is this? Oh, that's Nate Hobbs. (laughs) He's bigger than you thought. He's faster than he thought. Uh, Definitely um, tougher than you thought. Uh, the The whole nine yards. These are guys that you can... Um, unleash you can you can create uh, packages for to really tap into them not just hoping that he can defend his guy and and be a league average player these are playmakers uh, that I think that we're going to start seeing more and more be utilized as playmakers you're so right about the speed in Nate Hobbs though like when I, I first saw him out there to me it was like deceptive how fast he was yeah. because I wasn't expecting that explosiveness out of him uh, I knew some things because hey our good friend Zig Fercasi had done mm-hmm. a big study up on Nate Hobbs leading up to the draft and I had talked to him on my podcast and he was telling me all about Nate Hobbs yeah. and uh, what a study was going to be for this team and so when I went out I had this already kind of preconceived notion that he was going to be good. Mm-hmm. But then when you saw the level of talent that he has, how he cuts his angles, how he knows where he needs to be in coverage, the just awareness of what's happening on around him. I mean, those are things that you can't necessarily teach the things that you're just already you're cognizant of what's happening on around you and how to how to fill that role right clay um there's there's guys that instinctually make up for maybe a deficiency in athletic ability sure yeah the thing about nate hobbs is he's got both Mm -hmm. he's a really good athlete with tremendous instincts so that's combining the best of both worlds and I, i think he's just scratching the surface on how good uh, he can truly be because he does cross or, or checks off both of those boxes. He's a hell of a instinctual player. We saw that time and time again. And then you 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 match that up with a guy that's a really good athlete as well. Right. I remember reading about um, how I, I believe it. I think it was Nate Hobbs. I do a lot of reading on backstories of guys, and uh, I think it was like he was kind of struggling through high school and his coach took him aside and they went out by the lights of his car out into the field and we're constantly working together on developing him and turning him into a stronger player somebody that could make it into college and i i just remember reading that kind of stuff and thinking wow that's the, the extra effort that he put in at that age just to get to where he is you well know? and he was like that's a cool. bowling green I, I don't want to put it on bowling green but it was that level of scholarship that he had right yeah. until lovey smith Jumped into the scene and offered him. Uh, he was the that, that was the that was Illinois. That was that was the highest you know level uh, scholarship offer that he got, and he took it. It was late in the late in the recruiting game as well. If Lovey Smith, who um, could he's like a, hall, a borderline Hall of Fame defensive coach, yeah, no doubt about it. Right? Super Bowl. He knows what he's looking for, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and 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 knows what he needs. If Lovey Smith at that level is like, I need this guy in my program. Uh, and then he ended up start. I want to say he started all four years that he was there. That's not uh, the, the easiest thing to do, uh, going from high school to, to college. But he did, and he pulled it off. I'm still kind of stunned uh, that he lasted as long as he did in the draft. But you know, that's that's uh, the uh, a great stroke of luck for the Raiders. And again, I think he's just scratching the surface. I think there's so many different ways. And Trayvon Morrig as well. 
I think uh, both of those guys in this second year are going to take big steps forward. Yeah, and I like where he brought up, uh, and we'll take a break on this, but that, you know, Marcus brought up Trayvon Merrick as like being a, a guy that's, you know, got more in the, you know, for a second year. If you loved what you saw the first year, wait till the second year. And he brought up a name and a comparison of a safety with the Giants. And uh, I'll tell you why I think that's important on the other side here. 702-365-9200 is the Realty One Group listener line. We'll also take some more calls as we round out the third hour of the morning tailgate. Hit up the show on Twitter at Clay Baker Radio. And now back to the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I'm Raider Nation Radio. Thank you for joining us here in the third hour. Heidi, Vinny, Clay, and you, 702-365-9200 is the Realty One Group listener line. You know, just uh, real quick before we get to calls, I know Raider Mike's been waiting. Uh, we got Justin, Wendy, Tom, and DC. But, you know, when uh, when bringing up Trayvon Merrigan, like what what could kind of a, a jump be for him in, in this year, you know, in, in 2022? There's something that he brought up, uh, Marcus Johnson did, in comparison, bringing up Julian Love's name. Yeah. And Julian Love, if you take a look in the last two years with the Patrick Graham defense, there is uh, 12 blitzes and 11 blitzes on consecutive years. So it shows you that as a safety, even though you might think he's just sitting in center field, he's going to be used in all sorts of stuff. And Julian Love has hits on the quarterback, sacks, tackles for losses. So that kind of uh, excitement really is something that can be like for Hobbs, for Merrig, where all of this stuff is disguised in a Patrick Graham defense that you're going to see a lot more out of these guys than normal. Yeah, and when you bring up Julian Love's name, by the way, uh, it reminds me of a conversation I had with Hunter Renfro. I might have been the first time I ever met him. And obviously, he played at Clemson, and uh, he played against uh, Julian, who was at Notre Dame in the in a college playoff game, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and and so I, I I told Hunter, I go, hey man, full disclosure, I'm a Notre Dame fan. You know, he's like, you know, they actually gave us a pretty good game. You know, uh, he goes, it was a lot closer than you think. You know, especially in that first <laughs> half. He goes, until that dude Julian Love <laughs> oh, got <really>? hurt. <laughs> you know, he goes, we went right after. And if you watch that game, they went right after his replacement. And uh, and and Hunter brought this up. He goes, you know, that's a difference sometimes between those I think we brought, we might have talked about this or off air that's the difference between some of those teams like in oh, if yes. you're playing Alabama and a Julian Love gets hurt there's a guy and a guy behind that next guy that are probably far five star recruits that are just biding their time waiting to get in there whereas <laughs> at a school like Notre Dame or some other many other school every other school let's put it that way outside of a Alabama and some of the real juggernauts you're going to get a guy that you know, maybe a freshman or maybe just a guy that never panned out. Uh, and, and there's going to be a weakness that, that, that is created as a result. Whereas against Alabama, good luck. The guy behind him might be better and the guy behind him might be better than the guy, you know, so it's just, it's, it's tough sledding against those two teams, those types of teams. But, um, it, Julian Love going out of that game really killed Notre Dame. Mm. Yeah. Here's the thing. So everyone, I don't know if you keep hearing this, it keeps popping like <laughs> bump. So like every, I don't know, I, I'm leaning like hovering over it now because it, it moved um, all the way over. But it, it, yeah. Is there a screwdriver that's needed? There's something it, that we can. Uh, right. I, 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 took a picture of it. Yeah. I took a picture of it. It's a, it's one of those hex locks. It's hexagon locks. Oh, shoot. So, I got that in the cis trunk. Let's go. Right, right. I got one. I, uh, I, I got one, I I got one when I had to put the kids' uh, crib together, so I still have that there thing. There you yeah. go. You speaking, of, speaking of home improvement real quick, you know, it's it's it, it might be your time to buy or sell a home, uh, and the Realty One Group wants to be the ones that be, that are part of your story. Yes, the housing market is hectic. It's nuts. It's crazy.
crazy, but it's still a great time to buy and sell the home of your dreams. Uh, you'll need a hardworking real estate professional to help you get it done. Uh, and the Realty One Group is there for you. They know the market. They know the neighborhoods. They know the transactions. They know everything. Uh, the Realty One Group was founded in Las Vegas. Uh, and for the last 11 years, they've been opening doors for their clients and other real estate professionals to live better lives. They are also proud to give back to their community, donating their time and resources to make an impact. So whether you're selling or buying a home, Clay and Heidi and everybody else, please call them today at 888-461-0101, 888-461-0101. I just bent my mic the opposite direction, and I'm thinking it's going to stay here now. I am thinking that too, but every time I keep thinking you got it in the right spot, it's, I know it's going it to spring pops. back. It just pops, yeah, yeah, it keeps got popping back of its on its own. <laughs> I tell you what, we will conquer that this week, by God. Uh, let's get out to the Realty uh, One Group listener line, 702-365-9200 to Fort Myers, Florida, awaits the one and only Raider Mike. Nice. Raider Mike, good morning to you, sir. Best power trio finally together when I'm online. All right. Oh, I'm glad you're listening to us, brother. Clay, did you check out my uh, Bon Scott renditions on my timeline? You know what? I, I saw them, and I was like, I could, I've never seen actually anyone actually do Bon Scott the way you do it, because uh, you're actually singing it the way Bon Scott would. You're not actually using any, exactly. like, uh, fluff piece to it. No, I kill things. That's how Raiders roll. We kill things. Bon Scott is the first singer of ACDC, if anyone needs a refresher, but Mike sings that. No one else in the country who does ACDC actually sings like that. Nobody. <laughs> Exactly. And it's coming to Vegas in two months. Oh! You'll see it live. Anyway, check this out, man. We're going to the Warriors. I used, I started out on sports radio with Michael Thompson. Oh, great. Good friend. And Clay was running around like five, six years old. Yep. Around our knees (laughs) at Kevin Duckford's restaurant. Really? Oh, cool. Duck! And I, I, it's just so cool to see Clay doing what he's doing because we never expected it. Even Michael didn't expect it. I mean, he's the bomb in L.A. now. He's ESPN, ESPN's flagship now. Mm. So it's just so cool how thing, things have evolved. And I hate everything. Boston. The tuck rule. I got another name for it. I understand. You know? We've got to pull for Warriors, <laughs> even though I'm kind of a trailblazer. You know, I'm ripped up there, but i got to pick my poison. It's going to be the Warriors. You know what I mean? Tell it. Lastly, Maverick, my dad was a CIA pilot, fighter pilot. Oh. Unbelievable movie. I made my 19-year-old daughter sit through Top Gun. She's like, <laughs> she's in on that a little. Okay. And then she saw Maverick. She's like... I get it now, Dad. I get what we do. So, if you're truly an American, go watch this movie, because this is what we're all about. Maverick is it's the shiznit, as we say. Heck so anyway, yes. the Warriors have come out to and play. Played. Love you guys. Peace. All right. Good call. <laughs> Little Clay Baker running around, and he's all grossed up. Uh, 
If you want to know why Clay Thompson ended up at Washington State, you look at a player like that. How did how did USC UCLA miss on him? Yeah, especially USC. Yeah, um, they had another guy. uh, It was it was it was not good. But anyway, a a regretful recruiting moment for USC. Michael Thompson, (laughs) who uh, obviously the father of Clay, uh, tweeted this out um, at one point. Uh, Michael Thompson on Clay's high school recruitment. He was skinny. He was very skinny. He made Reggie Miller look like Carl Malone. Yeah. <laughs> That's how skinny Clay was in high school. So okay. a lot of Pac-12 schools didn't really take him seriously. He actually went on a recruiting trip to Notre Dame. This kills me right here. And wanted to go to Notre Dame and said, Dad, I'm going to Notre Dame. Love the coaches. Love the staff. Uh, but he wanted to play in the Pac-12 so bad oh. that when Washington State came in with a late offer, that's where he decided to go because he wanted to play in the Pac-12. It just shows you that recruiting, all that, um, is not an exact science and never will be. Exactly. Oh, yep. It's funny to think you said that analogy. Reggie Miller, I'm just sitting there thinking about it, like how skinny he must have really been. Right. To, well, yeah, there's there's definitely pictures. Yeah. He played in Orange County, uh, yeah. played it, and, and he, he definitely was skinny. But so was Reggie. Uh, coming oh, yeah. out of coming out of yeah. high school, and whereas, but Reggie was one of the big, 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 huge time recruits uh, at that point. Um, just a great shooter and one of the great shooters of all time. But Clay is, you know, in his own he's, right. He's been hot and cold this series. I think just don't think he's up. the same. I think he'll physically. pick it up. Yeah, he'll pick it up. Yeah, and he had some big shots. Like he he, he, he had did. some no, he had some I, big I, shots yesterday actually to, to really yeah. extend leads or uh, you know respond uh, to to when the Celtics were making a run. But uh, where do you, where does Clay end up in all, in the whole hierarchy when it's all said and done? Hall of Fame player? I think he's a Hall of Fame player at this point. As many championships as he's gotten with Steph, I think you know together the the Splash Brothers. Yeah. Longevity would help a yeah. little more, a little more years, Zeph. But he's he's made impact because you know a lot of the Warriors, believe it or not, they have started to change you know professional basketball and basketball as a whole of just being a pure shooter from Steph to Clay. Like uh, everyone wants to go and like you know reveal their game closer to that. Especially if you're younger and growing up, you see it being uh, executed on the screen. You want to see it for yourself, and they're kind of transforming the game. So as as a Hall of Famer, it might be possible because their influence is that large. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. My wife and kids to a Laker game against the Warriors. It was late in the season, uh, and the, the Lakers needed to win this game to get to the playoffs. It was when Kobe broke uh, tore his Achilles tendon. I okay. remember, remember that game, and uh, it was against the Warriors. And uh, my wife was like, "Who are these guys? Clay Thompson and Steph Curry." I go, "Keep an eye on them. That's the future right there." Oh, I love it. Because, I love it. Yes. Yeah, and and sure enough, you know the Lakers fell off. The Warriors grew up, uh, and and really, honestly, the rest the rest is history. All right, just when Wendy from the Bay Area, fresh out of Fresno, is on with us. Good morning, Wendy. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm Wendy. so glad to talk to all three of you. Yes, my friend. Love it. So it's Clady and Vinny. Clady and Vinny here with I you. I miss the Clady. So thanks for bringing that. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Well, I wanted to tell you all that I heard Anthony Galavis yesterday talk about um, going to Fresno to see the um, the event for the foundation, for the uh, DC for Kids Foundation that Derek Carr has. Yeah. And I just wanted to add a few things. Um, you know, it wasn't all about Devontae Adams, because <laughs> um, I know it was great to be there. Um there was a reception where you got in line and you got to, you know, have a picture um, with Derek and say a few things and talk to him for a minute. I told him I was going to Canton and to make sure to turn around and wave at me behind the bench. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And I said, I hope I get to see you play. And I said, I know you're not allowed to tell me. And he goes, oh, I don't even know if I'm going to play. <laughs> and I was like, I, I know, I know. But, you know, we're all going to be there. There's going to be a lot of Raider fans. So make sure you guys wave at all of us, too. And, um, and then they gave us, like, really nice gifts. They gave us a backpack and, and uh, um, a helmet that he signed, you know, a little helmet, oh, cool. mini helmet. And, uh and also a picture, and then they took a picture of us, and then they gave us dinner, and then after that, they had a question and answer period where you could, anybody in the audience could ask questions, and you know I would have a question. Of course. You know. And a good one, <laughs> just when Wendy. So my question is not because I'm a journalist, but because I'm, you know, I'm a fan, and I don't try to be a journalist. So my question to Derek was... Um, so who in on the team makes you laugh? Who on the team? I said, I know there's 90 guys right now, well, 89 plus him. Who makes you smile every day? And he said two players that I never would have thought of. So it was really nice. Amik Robertson. Okay. He said, always makes him smile. He says he always is, is in a great mood. He's always there. He's, you know, he's always working to make everybody happy, you know, feel good about being there and number two tyron johnson ah. <laughs> he said he is wow. the funniest guy and he called him belly i think like a nick it's some nickname or something like belly? that and he, he, yeah belly? I was, okay i'm like i'm like i maybe i heard it wrong you know but i'm listening to derek and he's talking about some you know some joke that he played but he said the guy is is really funny so i hope tyron gets to stay on the team because it sounds like that would be good. Um, and also, you know, I learned a lot about the Fresno people. They're, like, really excited to come to Vegas to yes. see the Colts game. You know why they're coming to see the Colts game? Tell us. Anybody? Anybody? Anyone? Any, Tidy? Anyone? No. Uh, the Rebels are playing on Friday. Oh, <laughs> no the, way. You it... know, the, the Bulldogs. Oh, the right, right. Yeah. Rebel football. The Rebels on Friday. So a bunch of the Fresno fans are coming to see the Bulldogs and then uh, the Colts game on Sunday. Okay. Nice. So Double dip. Be, oh, I love that'll it. That'll be a really like, fun game. I was but. thinking, who's from Fresno State on the Colts? Yeah, right. Wendy, right. right. thank you for the call. Who That's did excellent. I miss? <laughs> All yeah. Right, cool. Wendy, right. great and, to hear your voice. I, Thanks for doing it. All right, thank you. Thank you, Wendy. Oh, I love that. That's very interesting. Yeah, mark that down in your calendars for the Fresno weekend. One more call before we wrap the show up here uh, to the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Tom, thank you for waiting patiently. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing this oh, morning? Good, man. How are you doing? Listen, I'm going to have to call back and share with you my story that I have uh, about the Commodores. <laughs> Heidi and I, Heidi's mom and I have a connection with <laughs> yes. the Commodores. And I wanted to go back and, and, and kind of unveil some, and unearth some funk history. And I don't have enough time to do that now. So tomorrow. I'll have to do that on a separate call. I can call back tomorrow. Uh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But there's one thing I wanted to point out, and, and it gets back to the offensive line. Um, I did a little bit of digging, a little bit of research, and also heard Q uh, this morning mention an interesting name, and the name is that of Isaiah Wynn, uh, who's listed right now as a starting left tackle for the Patriots, who he said potentially could be on the move in terms of trade. Now, I know with the Patriots' connections and ties and everything, that could be very interesting for us to look out over the next couple of days to see if a potential trade could go 
Uh, now, even though he's listed as left tackle, uh, you're looking at somebody with uh, a dependable track record as far as that goes. Now, the other thing I wanted to point out was right now, uh, including Trent Sieg, there are 15 offensive linemen on the roster. So if you don't count Sieg, you're looking at 14. Of those 14 players, six of the players have only one or two years of experience. So you're looking at a really young line, yep. and the person with the most experience on the line is Denzel Good. So if you look at it, of the 14 players, I'm not counting Trent Sieg right now, but if you look at the 14 players, ideally you're going to have eight, nine, maybe ten of those players make the roster. So uh, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how each of these progresses and which of the three or four are going to be on the outside looking in. Yeah, no doubt about it. Great call, uh, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of a lot of bodies, but a lot of youth and inexperience, and it has to come together. I think I, Isaiah Wynn is a really good um, possibility. Uh, I do know that the Raiders are. I, I think they're really looking at the offensive line uh, in terms of seeing if they can bolster it. So you know, keep an eye uh, out on that. By the way, Meek Robertson, it's kind of a Kevin Hart uh, personality. So uh, definitely with that, and and Tyron Johnson is a name to remember or think about because everyone Raider fans ask us all the time, "What about the speed? What about the speed?" What about the speed number one Tyron was making some plays in minicamp uh, a B he's a four three guy so if you're looking at the speed factor needs speed you have it on the roster it's just can Tyron Johnson kind of put it all together this is a four three speedster I'm mm-hmm. really stuck that I didn't get to hear the Commodore story quite tomorrow frankly. something uh, to look forward to I know but I wanted it now <laughs> now and I wanted to see Tom call back right now because you know I feel bad I gotta admit like I had started this Facebook page to put up all my Raiders work on oh, nice. so that I wasn't going to use my personal page for it, but I got really bad at updating it during the pandemic, and then I forgot the password. So I get these messages that say, so-and-so has messaged you, da, 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 answer them. And Tom, I think, hit me up on that page. And I have not, and it's Tom, I'm, I got to figure that page out. I got to get back in and we owe unlock, you, Tom. unlock myself from my whatever password protector thing that I did to protect myself from, you know, outsiders. I protected myself from me. This is what happens when you're an artist. You have to be motivated, inspired by the work. You know, uh, Isaiah Wynn's a guy that, yeah, you know what? You could add a little more experience to that line. He's 26 years old, but he's also got a $10.4 million contract uh, to to be spent this year. So, uh, how strong do you really want them, and do you want to eat that money and spend your money? Because you got a nice little surplus now. You're going to need about five to six million when the year comes. But would you spend it all on one guy? Well, they definitely have uh, the salary cap to do it. But again, uh, it, it becomes a budgetary question. Um, do they do they have the cash to back it up, uh, and and you know to go above the budget, whatever that budget might be. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I, he, he obviously would, would be an upgrade and he's multiple. I think he would play guard, right? Doesn't he, yeah. doesn't Isaiah play some guard too? So you can, you can cover two, a couple of different bases and let that thing play out, uh, over at right tackle if you go out and get him. But, and, and I think that if you're talking about bolstering the offensive line for the, for the Raiders, I think the trade market is probably, I just feel like that's maybe more likely uh, because you want to go out and get somebody that you truly believe is ready to step in uh, and, and and produce at the level that you need them to produce at. Whereas on the open market, there's a reason those guys are on the open market right now. Yeah. So there's, there's a little warning sign attached to all of those guys. 
A lot of it, I think, too, is age. You look at that open market list, a lot of these guys are at 30, 31. I think Denzel Good right now is the oldest guy on the offensive line for the Raiders at 31 years old. So, I mean, while I don't think and there's necessarily high tread on everybody's tires where they don't have anything left in the tank to offer for a team, I do think, like you said, Vinny, there's some caveats to be looked at and to absorb as you kind of go over that list and say, Ooh, well, you know, maybe it's not the right fit fit for what we're trying to do and what we're trying to grow with these younger guys on this line. Yeah, it's got to be the right fit. It can't just be any guy, like you said, Vinny like, and Heidi. Like These guys have to be perfectly suited for the situation because you can't go and uh, change horses like this. If you really feel strongly about somebody, it might be somebody you've worked with before, so there at least is some familiarity. We're out of time. we got to take the break to get to Rich Eisen. So we thank everybody for calling in, all the participation on the text line, as well as on the phones. We absolutely love it. Want to let you know that I got tickets for you, though. We have tickets. Another giveaway. Be caller number 9 at 702-365-9200. A pair of tickets to see three ice hockey at the Orleans Arena Saturday, June 18th. It's three-on-three tournament with great Hall of Famers from Grant Fuhr, uh, Joey Mullen, uh, John Murphy, all that and more. I got your tickets for Saturday. 702-365-9200. Find more information at 3ice.com. Tomorrow, we'll talk to Eddie Boris Silly and a whole lot more here on Raider Nation Radio. It's Heidi, Vinny, and Clay. Have a great day, everyone. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. Tat products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.